Dr. R.J. Rushduni, RR161CN168, The Seizure of Properties, from the Easy Chair, Excellent Colloquies on Various Subjects. This is R.J. Rushduni, Easy Chair Number 278, November 9, 1992. Otto Scott, Douglas, Murray, Mark, Rushduni, and I are now going to discuss a very, very important subject, sad subject, is the seizure of properties when people are presumed guilty and without any evidence, a raid is made and even if no drugs are found or, or anything else, the property is seized, the car, the boat, the plane, whatever. For example, there is a move now to make uh, certain areas of West Texas a game refuge. And they are moving to seize these properties from the ranchers. Now, originally that area had hardly anything except uh, rattlesnakes and field mice and that sort of thing. And the saying was some years ago from a West Texan that it wasn't a drought there unless it did not rain for seven years. A lot of ranchers uh, moved in there, bought the land at incredibly low prices, put in uh, ponds and reservoirs to ret retain all the water that might fall, put in uh, pastures and so on, so that now there is more game in these ranching areas than over in eastern New Mexico, mountain country, which is a good game refuge. So they're trying to take this land away from the ranchers. And the ranchers are experiencing some real problems. For example, recently, one rancher uh, was visited by uh, the authorities who said they had an anonymous tip that he had shot an endangered kind of species of eagles. Well, how anyone could have seen him do that in that very isolated ranch, even with binoculars, because it was miles from any place, is ridiculous. So you have to question in a lot of these things whether the anonymous tips are really tips. Of course, there was no evidence that he had done such a thing, and he had not done it. They seized his pickup. On the way back to town, miles from nowhere, they passed his wife and daughter coming back from town. They seized the family car, left the two women almost hysterical at the side of the road. They didn't know what was happening when these men stopped them with guns drawn and seized the vehicle. Now, West Texas ranchers are facing a concerted move to have their properties taken from them, and one way or another, sooner or later, they apparently intend to confiscate it. 
but much more common. And, of course, the IRS is doing this sort of thing, seizures, to collect what it claims is owed it. But much more common is uh, a seizure by the uh, drug enforcement people on the federal, state, county, and local levels. Early in October, a very wealthy, a multimillionaire uh, inhabitant of Malibu was shot. His ranch was desired by one agency to extend uh, a game refuge. Supposedly, he was growing marijuana on his property, although none was found, or had it stored in his home. None was found. They broke into the house with guns drawn. The man, very hard of hearing, an older man, came down the stairs with his uh, gun in hand and... uh, Uh, they ordered him to drop the gun, and they claimed he pointed it at them, and they shot and killed him. Now, this man, Donald Scott, was not a nobody. He was prominent in the Hollywood community. Clint Eastwood was a good friend of his, so something is being done by this. By the way, Scott was partially blind, He had just had a cataract operation and could not see. At the same time, a San Diego businessman, Donald Lee Carlson, was gravely wounded on another raid. Properties are being seized from coast to coast from people, their homes, their farms, when they were not in the least guilty. Now, We were discussing in the past easy chair the election. Well, I think this is an important part of the reason why the Republican Party lost. Because it was under the Reagan administration that this power to seize under any circumstances was passed. And it has been steadily expanded so that it has been the Republican Party that has been guilty in this respect. Moreover, at present there have been hearings in Washington, D.C. by Congressman John Conyers, a black, a very liberal congressman, and he's been fought tooth and nail on these hearings by the Justice Department and the Bush administration. Now, Conyers has been intensely interested because not only are very wealthy whites having their property seized, but a great many minority peoples, especially blacks. And a great many grandparents who have taken in a grandson, say 12 or 14 years old, who's been in trouble and are now trying to help him, on the grounds that this boy has been involved in the past in drugs. They have come in, examined the house, and seized it, even if drugs are not in the premises, and the people have lost their homes. This points clearly to what you have 
said about the danger of a dictatorship, we are having it in this type of seizure. Your article in the Calcedon Report, by the way, was uh, Xeroxed in quantities by the California State Assemblyman, David Knowles, and passed around to some of his colleagues. And we might get some action on the California level. And hopefully, with Conyers' work, and if Clinton gives any support to Conyers, on the federal level. But this is a very, very grim and dangerous fact. Anonymous tips. Anyone who is disliked can have an anonymous call sent into the DEA charging that person with growing marijuana or having some kind of drugs on his premises. And it can mean the confiscation of their home, of their land. You know, the, the, the drug war is becoming, you know, the people involved in prosecuting it has become the American version of the KGB. Yes. As they operate very much the same. I'm going to throw a note of levity. When you said it's dry in West Texas, the, I knew a guy in West Texas who had a pet frog that was 12 years old and didn't know how to swim when it was so dry. <laughs> uh, Perhaps you ought to tell people about how in every major community and every county there are large yards of seized properties. Well, the the thing that always troubles me is I see these people, they're all, all driving around in uh, new cars, and they're not fleet cars. And they say, well, we have to have undercover vehicles, but it always winds up being somebody else's car. They don't go out and buy them. And uh, I think they, they kind of like that, you know. It uh, gives him a sense of satisfaction to confiscate these vehicles. But uh, the, uh, the network of information is, uh, the loop is closing very tightly. Computerization has linked databases at all levels of government uh, together so that uh, if they uh, stop you on the street for a traffic citation, uh, now they have video displays in the patrol vehicle and they can bring up uh, your assets where they're located, the numbers of your bank accounts, your address. Uh, this information is available even when you call in uh, on the, the 911 uh, numbers. So that uh, uh, they can very quickly uh, without, with the slightest provocation, get a telephone um, search warrant and uh, come to your house, and they know where all the goodies are. Mm-hmm. They've made it a very efficient operation. Well, the interesting part of all this, it takes us back 400 years. This is the sort of thing that occurred in England under Charles I. Mm-hmm. And uh, if the authorities didn't like somebody that was operating a little inn with a bar, they could just come in and take the whole thing away. It was one of the causes of the English Civil War. And it isn't just the drugs. It's the fish and game people, and it's also the sheriffs, and it's also the city police, and 
the highway patrol. All there are, and it isn't a suspicion of drugs alone. It could be selling liquor to Indians. It can be fraud. It can be several different offenses because it's escalated beyond the drug scene altogether. And the most amazing thing about it is that there is no charge. There is no arrest. There is no trial. And there is no conviction. I took the material from the Pittsburgh Press that you have in front of you. Yes. And that report reviewed 25,000 government property seizures and found that 80% of the people who had their assets seized by the government prior to trial were never charged with any crime at all. It was, and there is a legal and lawyer-like way in which this has been accomplished. Criminal law gives the criminal certain constitutional guaranteed rights. He has a right to a lawyer. He has a right to bail. He has a right to know what the charge is and so forth. Seizures of property by the government are not done under the criminal law. They're done under the civil law. And under civil law, you don't have in the American practice. Constitutionally, we have rights no matter over our property. The Fifth Amendment, for instance, guarantees us against having our property seized without due process, which means they originally meant without constitutional protections. But now civil law has been separated from criminal law so that it's a separate area. And you do not have the same constitutional rights in civil law, in the practice of civil law, or the conduct of civil law, that you do in criminal. In a civil case, hearsay is accepted as evidence. Depositions can be made in which you have to bear your whole soul worse than you would in the confessional under pains of penalty and contempt and this and that and so forth. So the property is what is called the target of the government seizure, not the individual. So they come in and they take the house, the furniture, the car, the yard, and everything in it. But they leave you alone. You can go on. You can walk away. You may be a pauper. You've just been stripped of all your possessions. But the argument is that only the property was taken and you were not put in any jeopardy. In some instances where parents have turned in a child who has been using drugs or dealing in drugs, their homes have been seized. Yes. Because they're in the home. Yes. This is the Fourth Amendment, by the way. Yes. So it's a very vicious thing. It masquerades under the name of law. The people who are fighting it are those on the far left and on the far right. The ACLU, I'm glad to say, is on the right side for a change. Well, when did they move? This has been going on for several years. True. But they're now beginning to be a bit afraid, at least the ACLU in Southern California. Well, some of their cousins must have been affected. Yes. Thank you. 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 Thank you
Mark. Um, I thought just escaped me that I was going to say. Uh, go on, I'll think of it. Yes. Well, I feel that the major threat to our future is precisely in this sphere. And I do believe this is a major reason why the Republican Party was repudiated. Now, I'm not sure that most people are aware of this because I think 60 Minutes put a program on about it. Yes, and so did uh, Inside Edition. But generally speaking, the press has pretended it isn't occurring. Well, the Pittsburgh press carried it, and lately... I know that. Uh, yes. That. And uh, a number of other newspapers, let me add, have done so. The uh, Scott case in Southern California, the multimillionaire, has been picked up by the media and has been uh, in the press for a month now. Well, he's a prominent man. Yes. He was a prominent man. He was a friend of the, of the proper people in the, in the film industry, and he was in a very fashionable area. Most of the people who have been subject to this sort of treatment have been, as you would expect, minorities, relatively poor people, whom the police have suddenly discovered by accident, sometimes by design, to have a few thousand dollars in cash, and they immediately assume, as the IRS assumes, that what you have in your bank deposit box was illegally obtained. There's a little envy thing working in the uh, subtle envy thing working in the media, though, on television, uh, which minorities tend to watch more than they read newspapers. Um, you see uh, dramatic depictions of white criminals going to jail, and it's the reverse in the newspapers. You have people coming out very plainly now and saying, this is not about drug seizure any longer, it is about asset seizure. Uh, that's a good sign. I feel that uh, the people are beginning to wake up to it. About 50 million people were exposed to it on just those two television programs. Well, so it's beginning to be well known. Well, we'll go back for a minute, pardon me, Doug, to the Weimar Republic. One of the things that occurred there was a breakdown of law and order in the streets, a rise in crime, which is always a sign of a weak government. Mm -hmm. And as the crime escalated and as the political divisions within the country became more severe, as they are becoming here, we have we talked earlier about a cultural war. The hatred that I see and hear on the radio and television and even personal, personal contact, the hatred that liberals radiate toward anybody that has a traditional position is really frightening. That reached that stage in the Weimar Republic and private armies began to gather. And the police began to hold themselves aloof from the action. 
they didn't interfere because if they did bring in the wrong people before the wrong judge, the judge would let them go. A Nazi sympathizer judge would let the Nazis go. A communist sympathizer judge would let the communists go. So the policeman had to figure out who he could arrest. And the easiest thing was not to arrest anybody, let them fight it out. At no time did the German people rebel. There was no real rebellion from the bottom. The German people were so conditioned to obedience and to discipline that they marched like lemmings. When Hitler finally resolved the argument, they marched and marched all the way to Gotterdammerung. And contrary to your hope, my feeling is that the American people are so flaccid that the traditionalists will not rebel. It's the left that's doing the fighting. Yes, but it's some of our people, too. It's some of our people. It's a Christian Reconstructionist assemblyman in California. And it's some Christians who are helping Conyers with his work. It's black preachers and others. So that we have a measure of resistance. Uh, we've had this for eight years building up and now both on the state and federal level to repeat. There are countermeasures in the works. Well, I, I hope, I think you're right to an extent. But it's a rather small and timid flickering of action. Just the other day I saw where a hundred anti-abortion protesters were hauled off to jail. And we know they're going to be very severely treated. And at the same time, I don't know how many left-wing demonstrations I've read about recently, and nobody seems to be hauled off to jail. All that is true. I grant you that a hundred percent. But I think resistance is developing, and what we ought to do is to be writing to our congressmen and tell them, why aren't you on John Conyers' side? Oh, writing a letter to a congressman. I hope it'll work with the new congressman, and it certainly doesn't seem to have worked with the old ones. Well, we've got a good one in this district, and I think it would help to write to him and alert him to this issue. I would rather go grab him by the necktie. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't the libertarians warn that the uh, war against drugs would become a war against people? And at the time, I thought that only meant uh, a war against the people who use drugs. But uh, I'm beginning to change my opinion. I think the yes. war against people was much broader than what I first assumed. I think cops tend to have a little bit of disregard and disdain for the whole system because they see it throwing um, throwing criminals back out on the street. And I think they, they fell for this because it seemed to them a way we can get these guys and nothing's going to stand in our way. We can, we can get them where it hurts and we can confiscate their property. And uh, I, at least initially there was certainly no opposition to it people thought, oh, well, that makes sense. Take what they bought with the drug money, but it's gone a whole a lot farther than that. And, and so far I haven't noticed too many there, people standing up. They're really pawns in the situation, you know. 
But they get a lot of money from drug enforcement agencies, the local ones. They get a lot of the revenue from what they seize. Yeah, but they're being driven ahead of this broad movement of getting power. You know, the government increasing its hold over public lands, getting what it's furthering its agenda of the acquisition of properties for the so-called propagation of wild species and protection of endangered species by confiscation of private property. If they can't get, I mean, they used to buy groves of trees because they were afraid. Now they just take the property. Well, I see these television programs. I don't watch them. Because believe it or not, I don't like exhibitions of sadism. And it always upsets me. But I see flashes of these programs, cops and other programs, in which they're built up like green berets. They're in camouflage uniforms. They've got heavy guns and everything else. They creep up on the house. They break the door down. They throw people down on their face. And this is being flashed as though these are our heroes. Well, it's a warning. I see it as a warning, just like the Weaver thing, where 500 FBI agents went in to take a family of three or four people. I mean, it's ludicrous. No crime. But it's a warning. It's an object lesson for everybody else to take into account. It creates that element of fear in your mind that you're not going to get any constitutional rights should it become your turn. If you happen to get hung up in the machinery, you're going to get ground to dust just like they were. Well, then, now we're talking about tyranny American style. It's being used, I think the leading instrument is the computer. The computer has turned into the means of the lock because our bank accounts, our insurance policies, our health records, our medical records, our school records, everything has been gathered up. We all have a dossier from birth onward. I recall when I was 21, I've forgotten what year that was. I'd have to stop and figure it out. It's a long time ago. That I sat with a couple of my friends who were about the same age, and we compared our situation as Americans with the situation of Europeans. And we all three or four of us felt sorry and glad that we weren't born and raised in Europe because in Europe, your record began at birth. This was, of course, in the 30s. And followed you all through school with the comments of each one of your teachers and your employers and everything. So they knew all about you. You couldn't escape your resume, so to speak. We didn't even have resumes in those days. Americans could move across this country from one side to the other. And if a fellow failed in some town, he could move to another, change his name, and start all over again, and nobody would know the difference. To this day, it is legal to change your name in the United States without any formal documentation if there is no intent to defraud, if you're not engaged in a criminal enterprise. But you couldn't do that today because your dossier is there, your employment record, your school record. If you ever have a job, they call you up on the computer and bingo, there you are. 
But now they're using it to treat us as though we're criminals on parole. Well, the Social Security number has come to symbolize the mark of the beast. Well, this is what Revelation spoke about. Mm -hmm. And uh, they put that mark on at a very early age. What is it? Uh, as soon as you're born. Now, it used to be. Now it is, yes. Uh, when I was a kid, it was uh, you didn't get one until you were 14 years old. I got a work permit when I was 14 years old and I had to get a Social Security card. But now it's at birth. Well, you have, I don't know how long, it might be a year, six months mm -hmm. or a year. You have. Yes, you have a little time, but you have to get it for each child. Well, they don't want to waste any numbers. You don't have to. Infant mortality, they don't want to waste any The way they worked it now is you cannot take a tax deduction for a child if they don't have a Social Security number. Mm -hmm. Ostensibly, they said, well, there's so many broken homes, we don't know how many parents are claiming this child is a dependent. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, that's ostensibly why they required all children. I'm have sure that's, that's a good bookkeeping reason, and I'm sure they were accurate. I'm, I'm sure that's true. Well, they want to go after errant fathers who are not supporting their, you know, every excuse is a means of gaining additional control. Yeah, that all had, you know, they come up with some good, uh, on the surface, some uh, noble goal, but it always results in uh, a greater depth of, uh, of tyranny. John Adams said it a long time ago. He said the old trick in which every emergency is an excuse to expand authority. Mm -hmm. Well, in our case, it's every problem is used mm -hmm. as an excuse to expand authority. Yes. An aspect of these trials that is particularly grim, the trials of people who are attempting to recover seized property, was brought out by the Pittsburgh Press in the Munnerland case. Their property, a jet, was seized. They chartered, uh, uh, theirs was an air charter service, and uh, a drug dealer carrying money, not drugs, was seized. He had over, I believe, two million in cash, uh, two million seven hundred ninety-five thousand in cash. They seized the cash. The man, uh, Munnerlin, had no idea what the man was carrying. He just uh, booked a charter flight. Well, Munnerlin's plane was seized, and he still has not gained it back. However, in the hearing, a witness was produced describing Munnerlin to a T. Clothes he wore, his beard, the color of it, everything, except, as it was subsequently brought out, at that time of the fight, Munnerlin did not have a beard. So it was obviously false testimony, but it didn't shake the federal government and what they did. And this is the kind of thing that's going on. It's corrupting our whole legal system. They have admitted that they are now going back and the IRS is doing the same thing over their records. 
to see if they can find on any technical ground a way of seizing somebody's property, somebody who might have been in their home uh, four years ago in one instance, anything to uh, increase the take because we have a greedy and powerful federal government. But I feel encouraged in the fact that so many are beginning to wake up to the menace. And certainly the libertarians feel they are getting a better audience than ever before now because of these seizures. And allies are coming for from all kinds of quarters. And for the first time, the media is beginning to carry something. The Pittsburgh Press was the first to deal with it. Television has now done it. I do believe it's going to build up, and I think the Conyers hearings are going to draw more attention in the days ahead. The thing that bothers me is that I don't see any indignation or disgust uh, over these actions, particularly in the case of this man, Scott, that you mm-hmm. cited in Southern California, uh, you don't see any indignation or disgust in the press and editorials. Uh, nothing that I have read indicates that they think that there's anything wrong with this. Well, they've had some excellent articles, uh, news reports ostensibly that have called attention to a number of key things and they've had the federal and in this case the uh, county, Los Angeles County authorities on the defensive and they're acting as though they have no right to make the charges that they are making that to impugn the motives of law enforcement authorities is a terrible thing but it's being done. This has created quite a ruckus in Los Angeles. The fact that from October the 2nd to the 1st of November, it's still in the press, means that something is building up. Well, eventually they would uh, they'd hang themselves or shoot themselves in the foot by going after uh, someone who's prominent, someone who's got the money, to, uh, to fight it, to uh, to make a lot of noise. I just wonder how many thousands of little people have been ground to dust and who will be, whose screams of, of pain will be uh, lost in the silence of uh, no one knowing about it. According well, to the Pittsburgh Press, and that's a couple of years old, there were 25,000 of them. But I think there's some other developments that come in in this area. The Metzger case... Metzger was obviously a white supremacist or whatever Mm -hmm. and a racist and was a leader in that particular movement. And several hundred miles away from Metzger, somebody committed a crime. I'm rather vague on the details now, but I believe it was a murder or a beating or something of that sort. And the individual had material that Metzger had written and published. And Metzger was charged with the crime. Mm -hmm. 
with having inspired the crime by his writings and found guilty and his property was confiscated. <coughs> now, I wonder if they're going to do the same thing with Sister Soldier. Well, the they, they, they could. If they were consistent, they could. But what this means, and I believe this was a federal case, and I believe that the decision was handed down in the federal court. Uh, there was a, another case of a similar nature that came up about the same time in which a printer who had printed a paperback book was arrested, put on trial for the contents of the book mm-hmm. and fined. I don't know any more about it than that, but I, I, this was one of those little blips that passed your, uh, your attention, you know, and a flag goes up and you remember it. So what I'm saying now is that not simply open and pure confiscations of people who are then stripped of their ability to protest in court successfully, but I think we can expect some intellectual tyrannies to come in. I think that conservative foundations, for instance, will will have a harder time in the future than they had under the Republicans. And I think that uh, newsletter writers may very well come up for particular examination. You know, this this is a periodic thing. Every so often, the SEC wants to crack down on people who are talking about stocks and bonds without having a license or, or whatever. And uh, people who write uh, dissenting views of any sort, like myself, can expect, I think to find a changed atmosphere in the days to come. And you brought up soldier and it was a good it's a good thing. This will only be against the right and against tradition. It will not affect the left. Because the left is in favor of unlimited authority to suppress all dissent. So we'll have a double standard of justice. Yes, we have anyway. Mm-hmm. All that is true, and a lot more. But it is, I think, interesting, as I said, the TV coverage reached so great an audience. The Pittsburgh Press series of articles began in February of 91, as you said, almost two years ago. And it was uh, later in the year, in August, uh, put out in this large... uh, format. It has been selling steadily to this day. Well, yes, I wrote an essay on it. But before you did, it was selling. Sure, and I I repeated what they were selling. Yes. So, this indicates a growing number of people are waking up to the issue. I hope so. I hope so, but of course, to wake up to it is one thing. To do something about it is another. Well, some are doing something about it. I've written about it, so mm-hmm. I did something. Definitely. So I, I'm not really, uh, I'm not really a believer in kenosis, but I do uh-huh. think that kenosis is has plays a major area here in the United States mm-hmm. and in the Christian community which saps the will to resist and to fight. 
When I was in Pennsylvania, I heard about your article. It had aroused people. Today I heard that our assemblyman, David Knowles, has reprinted it or Xeroxed it and passed it around, and he's building up support to act on it. Things wonder, are beginning to happen. I wonder what, he can, what the state of California can do about federal statutes of that sort. They can bar action, as in uh, Malibu, by any county, state, or uh, local authority. A lot of these compensations are by local law enforcement agencies, too. Because most law enforcement is at the local level. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, we better do something, because the door is almost shut. Yes. I agree. It's a grim situation. But I am impressed by the fighting quality of the American public. Well, all right. I've been involved in a war with the American public, and I'm not as impressed as you are. It seems to me that uh, we had a long way to go to live up to the traditions of this country. In recent years, they've slid quite a bit. They have but I don't think it's hopeless. Maybe somebody will hear me say this and get off their duff. Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think the coming year is going to be critical in this, and I think people should be active in alerting their congressmen to the issue and supporting John Conyers in this matter. And I think something can be done. I believe that this strikes so close to home and it leaves everyone vulnerable because with the lack of a trial, the anonymous tips which, as Douglas indicated, could be sheer envy or malice or hatred. Everyone is now vulnerable, and everyone is going to be upset. Well, I will always be amazed that somebody like Mr. Reagan's bosom friend, who was Attorney General Ed Meese, Mm -hmm. would sit there as Attorney General while the RICO Act was passed, yes, and while these laws were passed without raising his voice under a so-called conservative administration. And it was in the first four years, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Yes. When, they had yes, it was. A, uh, when they had the power in the Senate they had everything. to stop it. Worse yet conservative and Christian groups will have that man Meese as a conference speaker or will have him join their organizations and will honor him. Yes, I know. And I sat next to him in the White House when he uh, stated uh, very casually that they had the power to control all the churches but were not yet ready to do so. So... Uh, too many Christians have been on the wrong side of the fence. Well, they put 
people ahead of principles because they thought they had friends in the White House. They didn't pay any attention to what the White House did. Yes. They put it all on a personal level. And you can't do that because a fellow seems like a nice man. There's no reason why you should let him pick your pockets. When Reagan was elected, conservative groups saw their income drop to 20% of what it had been before his election because people assumed that the millennium had arrived and they could forget about supporting anything that was fighting Washington, D.C. And as a result, the Republican Party did more to rivet chains on the American people than previous administrations. A lot of his uh, well-heeled support switched over to Clinton, particularly people who have big real estate interests because they have a they have a desire and an interest to see inflation pick up again. Well, of course, there's a school of thought which argues that it will not pick up because mm -hmm. if we debase the currency much further, it means that the holders of treasury bonds will dump them. Mm -hmm. Internationally speaking, our credit will be destroyed. And without international credit, then we're in the soup because we will not have the capital to continue to operate. What that school, this particular school of thought, believes that prices will decline as jobs dry up, as goods begin to mount up in the warehouses. You have to get rid of them somehow. Prices are declining now in many areas because rebates and, and so forth and so on is really a, a disguised price reduction. And the, as the S&Ls dump, as the government dumps S&L properties and the bank properties that they're going to collect in December, real estate values drop and so forth, so they don't need the printing press. The printing press will not help them out of that situation. I thought the title of the Sacramento Bee article for November the 1st was very revealing. Drug war run amok? Question mark. Now the Bee is the most liberal paper in, in California. To the far left. Well, that's, that's going some. You've got the LA Times, don't forget. Yes, but the Bee is dedicated to a socialistic program and has been vocal about it since the time I was able to read, if not before. McClatchy was uh, one of the most radical men in the West. Uh, the titles to the various articles, and I have one or two more at home, are revelatory. They show concern, a dismay, and as a result, I think we're going to get more on this issue. Well, socialism and autocracy go together. We just elected a socialist president. Mm -hmm. To replace another socialist. Yes. Was it one of your articles where you put any time you ask the government to get rid of something, you get more of it? <laughs> I, I wish I had said it. It's a very good, very good comment. No, I, don't, I wasn't smart enough to say that. 
with the economic recession, people are going to be angry. It's going to worsen in the next four years. And very often people do not wake up out of their complacency with evils until they are hurting. And people are beginning to hurt. This is why whether they're Republicans or Democrats, they're not rejoicing in this recent election. It's hard to rejoice at, I admit. 43% of the vote is not exactly an overwhelming mandate. Well, of course, the uh, papers, at least one, as I recall it, that we received, hailed it as a mandate. Oh, yes. Well, they're very funny on that. Uh, when when Reagan got 49 states, they said it wasn't a mandate. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that they're like Emerson. Uh, consistency is a hobgoblin for a foolish mind. You know? they're, uh, they're not consistent. Well, this country has endured Emerson, and it can endure Clinton and survive. <laughs> well, it, the people always survive. The people outlast governments. That's yes. that's that's really that's true. And then I think there's another aspect that is the most important that we must not neglect. There is nothing apart from God and His providence and. God is responsible for the judgment that is coming upon us. A shipwreck that may lead us to find the shores of divine wisdom, to quote the old poet. The whole world is moving into an era of economic shipwreck and all kinds of other shipwrecks. And it's going to sweep away the old order. The Romans in the last days of Rome still could not believe, nor the emperors doubt that they had total power and all was going to go well. And yet it suddenly collapsed because no one felt Rome was worth fighting for. And all the machinery, including total terror, including torture as a routine means of collecting taxes from the people, disappeared overnight because suddenly no one felt Rome was worth saving. And we've had a generation that has lived very well and very comfortably they are not going to take the aggravation of troubles lightly, of joblessness. They're going to be angry, and hopefully when they're angry, they will begin to think. Hopefully when they're angry and disturbed and upset, they will return to the faith. The last depression did see a remarkable return to the faith and with all the homelessness, joblessness and so on, a drop in crime. 
And it wasn't until after the war and until the 60s, really, that the mentality truly changed. I don't think the Depression will approximate the coming collapse. I think it's going to be far worse. And I think it's going to be unprecedented and unrivaled in history since the fall of Rome. So I'm hoping and emphatically praying every day that out of all of this, God will bring forth an awakening and a change that will bring forth a truly godly order. Our time is nearing the end. Would you each like to add a statement or two about the future or about the subject? Well, Howie Phillips, you know, is not going to give up. No, definitely he, not. He and his new party are uh, going to continue on. They have access to six million names of people who voted against both the Democrats and the Republicans and not for parole in the primary. And in the wake of the Goldwater defeat, you know, there were 26 million people who voted for Goldwater. And those were the names that gave Richard Vigory and his crowd uh, the mail order opening to start a conservative effort. The six million that uh, are left, the three million voted for Pat Buchanan and three million for Jerry Brown. And you something similar to the resistance to the confiscations. This is the right and the left, uh, both expressing discontent. Mm -hmm. Only uh, a left that's expressing discontent with the left, mm -hmm. and it's an odd kind of thing. But six million people then com could comprise a core of a new movement. Uh, Perot is also mm -hmm. in the act. Nobody knows who the 20 million voters are who voted for Perot, except I don't think even Perot knows. Because well, what about those who voted for Phillips? We don't know their number, but uh, they're substantial. About 40,000. Uh, you mean in California? No, across the country. Across the country? I think so. Oh. Mark? Douglas, would you like to say something? Well, it, it occurred to me while we were discussing the property forfeitures that Jennifer Flowers had accused Clinton of growing marijuana. We might be rid of him. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we can make an anonymous tip about something growing in the flowers at the White House. No, I just... I wish some comedians would make a joke of the thing. That's one of the best ways to kill something. I'm going to paraphrase uh, John F. Kennedy by saying, Ask not what God can do for you, but ask instead what you can do for God's kingdom. Yes. Very good. Well, thank you, and thank you all for listening, and God bless you, and... Do be in prayer for the future of our country and do what you can to help those men who are out there working to change things. Authorized by the Calcedon Foundation.
Archived by the Mount Olive Tape Library. Digitized by Christ Rules. Dot com.